2: Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN, and joining me right now is Frank Bonner, Memphis football beat writer for the Daily Memphian on X at Frank underscore Bonner. To, we have a lot to sort through. We have a bowl game that we have to sort of figure out where the, where the Tigers are going to land and the transfer portal. Uh, will they be able to retain? Will guys leave? We've already seen a few go. Um but other guys seem to have announced that they are going to stay, including Rock Taylor and and Pounders. But let's bring in Frank now. Frank, what's happening, man? How are you? What's up, what's up? Doing all right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Doing doing well. Um how how has your day today been since the season uh since the season ended?
3: Uh, a lot less busy than yesterday. Uh yeah. the last two days I should say. Um, but you know, around this time. Your face is glued on Twitter. I mean, the nature of our job, you're you, you always looking at Twitter, but more so than than ever now. I mean, you just kind of, whenever I have any downtime, my face is just, I'm, I'm just on the Twitter feed looking to see if anybody's announcing uh, any other portal news.
2: Yeah, we have uh, guys getting in the portal. We have recruiting going on. I mean, we have the whole thing right this second. Um, I, I do have to start, though. We only have one game, I believe, figured out uh, as far as Bulls are concerned. That would be the Hawaii Bowl. Um, I think San Jose State versus uh, versus Coastal Carolina, but where where do you think the Tigers are going to land? That that's that's what everybody wants to know at this particular moment. I think Liberty Bowl is probably the favorite in the room, but what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, my guess is is, is the Liberty Bowl uh, for a number of different reasons. Obviously, I think at this point, it's looking toward the Liberty Bowl being one of those the the out of the six SEC bowls that get that pull or whatever. It looks like the Liberty Bowl is going to be left out, and then, you know, they're going to go to the American. And I know there's conversation about, like, if SMU wins and, and Liberty gets in the in the the right. Six Bowl, does that mean that, you know, Liberty will pick, um, you know, somebody other than Memphis? The fact that the Liberty Bowl is the one that gets to make the choice, my guess is no matter what happens in that championship game, I think it's beneficial for the Liberty Bowl to pick Memphis, regardless, because of yeah. ticket sales and and, and things of like that. So, I think the Liberty Bowl is the the top choice for for Memphis landing spot.
2: And then the other choices seem to be sort of military. I seen Gasparilla out there, but it, so it, I want you to clear this up for everybody because I I know this, but I don't know if a lot of people have heard it yet. This is the Liberty Bowl, just strictly deciding based on. Um, what they think would be best for their bowl game as far as revenue, income, whatever it is, as far as that is concerned. This is not, by any stretch of the imagination, um, SMU playing themselves in by winning a championship. That's not how this would work.
3: No, right? And so, because it's not it's not the American sending a team to the Liberty Bowl, right? So it's not them basically putting their best foot forward. The Liberty Bowl will get the chance. So if they, if, if Memphis... Finished eighth in the conference, and for whatever reason, the Liberty Bowl still wanted to grab Memphis. They would be able to do that if they wanted to. So, uh, the balls in Liberty Bowl's court in terms yep. of which American team they would want, yep. and obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into that that you just talked about ticket sales and all that.
2: And it feels like uh, it feels like Iowa State would probably be the opponent, right? I don't really see anybody else out there, and it really it would be a run back at 2017, my last game, my final college game.
3: Yeah, and I heard a lot. Obviously, I wasn't I wasn't in the market at that time, but uh, I heard a lot of good things about that that matchup in the Liberty Bowl, and and people over at the Liberty Bowl remember that 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 matchup pretty well. So if you get a rematch of that, I think anybody who remembers that game might you know get a little extra excited about uh, re- reviewing that matchup. Yeah,
2: I do, I do think, though, it is a far cry from what it looked like in 2017. Iowa State was trending in the right direction. They've had a couple of years where they've gone through a lot. They had the gambling stuff to start the year. Uh, Hunter Deckers no longer starting. They had to start Rocco Beck, the former uh, NFL tight end, Anthony Beck's son. Uh, and, and then the University of Memphis. This was my final year. We lost the AAC championship. Had only lost two games that year, uh, and they were both to UCF. And I, I – what do you think about sort of the positive or the momentum conversation with this program? That That's that's sort of what I want to get at. What, what did you think about this year, ultimately, if you're sort of defining it? Um, I know there's some people that are disenthused, but what do you think? Nine and three seems to be nine and three to me.
3: Yeah, right, and I think... Um... I think you can have this this idea that you can only have one viewpoint or one emotion about a particular season is is, is not really true, right? Right. There's levels of success in you know, when you look at a year. So did Missus get to the ultimate level of success of a conference championship? No. But there's a lot of stuff that happens between success and failure before you get there and so that nine and three season is still a success. It's just not the ultimate success, but having the opportunity to win 10 games in a, in a season at uh, a program like Memphis, you you can't gripe about that. Right, right. But I, but there are
2: people out there that are, that are willing to gripe about it. I mean, and, and the thing is, though, Frank, I think I – I mean, considering the last two years at 7-6, and six, ending the regular season 6-6, six and six, not doing well in conference, and then coming into this year in a worse conference, only winning the games you're supposed to, losing all the games you're supposed to as well – there was just no real, you know, uh, climax to the season, if you will, right? Like, that's sort of where I think people are at if they're sort of complaining about the current regime.
3: Yeah, and, and, and look, I don't, I don't mean to say that that fans shouldn't have the space to be disappointed about not being able to break through um, in this new form of the American, right? So you can be disappointed about not reaching there and having that conversation and what that means for the future, while also acknowledging that some good things still took place during the season, but to your point about um, not making a big splash with a big win, I mean, yeah, that's valid, right? I mean, you had you had a shot at SMU, you had a shot at Tulane, um, the Missouri game. I mean, that's not a conference point. Even if they even if they beat Missouri, if you lose to Tulane and SMU, you're still in the same boat. Right. So I don't really, I don't really give much thought about the Missouri game, it's really just Tulane and SMU. Uh, you would have liked to see Memphis win one of those games. Even if it shook out to where they still missed the conference, you still could have hung your hat on one of those big wins. And so I understand, the yeah, it was a good year, but X, Y, Z. But you still have to start with the fact that it was still a pretty good year.
2: Yeah. Does, does the situation with the fan base, with how this is being talked about, with Ryan, I'll talk to you about his comments after that Temple game here in just a second. It, doesn't the situation just seem awkward, just a little bit awkward at this moment?
3: Yeah, and I think part of it is, is that, like, fans, fans are still holding on to the baggage of the last two seasons, right? And so that right. baggage was still brought into this year. And so um, anything short of a conference championship, a lot of the fans that are still thinking about those last two years were going to have something to say. And so it seems like every game, even starting from last year, after every game, whether it was a win or a loss or a close win or whatever, there was a conversation surrounding what type of job Ryan Silverfield right. was doing this his job security it seemed like from a week-to-week basis? And so I think that creates some of the awkwardness. It's like, man, I mean, he's I'm, – I'm not going to lie. He's in a tough spot in terms of a part of the fan base being a tough crowd on, on, on what he's able to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No doubt. And that probably led
2: to the comments that we saw after the Temple game. And I don't have them all in front of me, but I do know – the 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 biggest part of it is he says those people that do not seem to like him that are off board with the job he's doing uh for the football team um he basically said that they are the people that complain about politics but don't vote what what did you make of of his comments after after that game after that temple game? I say
3: it did sound like um it sounded like he wanted to get some stuff off his chest. Yes. And after sure. after securing a nine-win season, you know, because that was the last game of the regular season and so on, that's when you can say what you want to say after you've secured the bag, or so to speak, in terms of of, of the record. Um, and so I think that, you know, he was waiting for that moment, and it, he had his moment after beating <laughs> Um yeah. Because like, like we said, like if you're in his shoes – you You think he doesn't hear and see what what's being talked, um, whether it's it's whether it's is just or unjust. Um, I mean, it's going to get to a guy right,
2: <laughs> for sure, for sure. But a lot of these coaches try to act like they don't see these things. They clearly see all of the conversation that's going on about them within the fan base, whether it be on X or
3: elsewhere, yeah, right. I mean, I think it's this you know this notion that college coaches, don't hear fan bases or don't listen to media or read the media, um, whether they're reading it or or somebody else is reading it and telling it to them or hearing it and telling it to them, they, they know what's going on. Right. Um, They, they have a pulse on what's going on. And honestly, I think as a college coach, you kind of have to, because depending on which program you're at, a fan's support can, Wave an administration, I'm not saying in particular to Ryan, but just in general of college sports, you have to keep your pulse on, on what the fans right. um, believe about you.
2: Right, no question about it. Talking with Frank Bonner, uh, Memphis football beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. Um, with Ryan, where we've been, uh, I think he's got two years left on his contract. Uh, after that uh, sort of in the middle of the night extension he got way back when, um, what do you think about an extension right now? I, I have I have stood by this at nine and three, especially if they get to ten wins. I think an extension is on the way. Um, maybe not the big new money extension, but certainly I, I'd, I'd imagine a maybe incentive based extra years added to this contract. What
3: what what are your thoughts there? Yeah, right. I think that's probably that's probably the safest decision on on both sides. But I wonder. Do does anybody in the equation, whether it's on Ryan's end or if it's on um, the administration's end, do they roll the dice to see what next year looks like? Because if you have another nine, ten win season next year, does Ryan have more leverage to then? They're, to then the,
2: the big new money contract probably
3: comes in. I'd imagine. Yeah, right. And so, but if you're the administration, do you want to lock it into a smaller contract? That like, I, I, I do think there are some. Some caveats to think about, but the the easiest clean way for both parties is to do another um, another you know year or so extension and and forego the big money for for the time being.
2: Now, when you look at the positives that Ryan has brought, um, one thing I want to point out, and I want your opinion on this: the transfer portal. He seemed to have at least last year or last couple of years. He is he's hit on some guys in the transfer portal. Uh, we know Davion Carter. Um, was a Juco guy that he brought in a couple of years ago. He's going to be off, and it looks like he's going to be able to pick his spot in the Power Five, Um, but he's transferring. Uh, But when we look at the all-conference teams, Blake Watson, Chandler Martin, Jeff Canton-Arku, Xavier Hill, I mean, you, you keep going down the list. It feels like he has found some pretty immediate needs in the transfer portal more than people give him credit for.
3: Yeah, and then you can't forget about Davion Ross, who we didn't get to see right. much this year because of the injury, but he, looking at last year, he, he was a guy who was expected to have a good year um, this season before he got hurt, so uh, yeah, and this it's interesting, right, because the conversation about NIL always comes up in recruiting, and Memphis doesn't have the the big top dollars um, in terms of NIL as some of these other programs do, but for what Memphis is able to have at its fingertips in terms of the guys that they can get, their evaluation, at least looking at this season, was on the money. Right. I mean, for sure. I think, I think you, listening to your radio show on um, when the when the uh, conference awards came out, I mean you you hit it, you hit it on the nose. Like a lot of those guys were transfers, and so um, you can kind of tip your hat on the fact that yeah, okay you're going to have some guys leaving. That's that's going to be every year. But are you able to either match that production or bring in even better production in the portal? And, and Ryan and that staff has is, is done a good job with that. And so I think it's – and if you look at the guys that they got, a lot of them were uh, either Power 5 moving down right. or a guy like Blake Watson who – was moving up to a mid major. I think that's the that's the lane that you have to be in in a, in a Memphis program. Yep. Is getting guys that are going to move down or getting guys that are trying to take a step up. If you can land that, you can be successful in this conference.
2: What do you think about their NIL situation? Because here is the thing: even me, like I I I have some people that you know are are uh, that donate uh, that I know that donate. that I have um, you know Ryan who sort of lets me know along the way if if the NIL situation is good or bad but where do you think just sort of by testing the waters talking to people around uh the city where do you think their NIL is in regards to the conference they're in right now right there at the top especially with SMU leaving or is there a couple of other schools that are outdoing them at this current moment
3: uh, my guess is that there are some other schools that are that are that are probably outdoing um Memphis right i mean you got Uh, what Charlotte is doing over bringing Biff in. I mean, some of these teams in these conferences are making hires that, that, you know, NIL is in the background, right, in terms Mm -hmm. of of the resources that they have. And so I do think that um, Memphis is still playing catch-up. I don't know where you feel. You probably have a little bit more tab on that than I do, but I do think that Memphis is still in catch-up mode and NIL – Uh, As far as a money standpoint, but from a program standpoint, I do think recruiting wise, from just the perception of the program away from NIL, Memphis is ahead of the game in some of these programs. And so being a step behind in NIL, it kind of helps offset.
2: Hey, Mel, Bry here. Got to work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty.
3: that a little bit
2: yeah for sure I, I think but like I just sort of look at this conference in particular I feel like they're still you know top four top three in, in what they're able to give to their guys obviously on the basketball side you see a whole lot more but it feels like they're starting to get it at least uh, sort of figured out um now I, I I have not got to catch up with you on this we had the uh 50 million dollars given by Fred Smith to go to the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium uh renovations and then uh Looks like the state's going to give another 120. um, But then the University of Memphis is going to have to raise 50 mil um, to go make this whole thing happen. What do you think the likelihood is of of them getting all those funds in time to get all these renovations done?
3: Uh, Well, it gets tricky, right? Because they have to raise 50 mil, and you would assume Fred Smith wouldn't be a part of that because he just gave his own donation, right? And so being able to raise 50 mil that doesn't include Fred Smith is going to be a, a, a tough task. But I think I think you just have to raise enough in order to stay on track, right? So I think in order for them to break ground when they want to break ground, I don't think they have to have the entire $50 million raised. I just think – I don't know what that number is, but I would assume they have a number in mind that we just have to reach this point in order to break ground – and then you can continue raising as the construction is going on. If that is the plan, if that's the process, I still think there is a good shot at um, the, the timeline not being pushed back too far behind.
2: But, I mean, how much credit do you give sort of Laird and, and Bill Hardgrave, new president? Like, how much credit do you give them for sort of putting the full court press on the city and everybody else to sort of get the, get the clarity? uh to to know that they're going to get their renovations done because they they took a little bit of flack because we talked about FedEx Forum and how important the Grizzlies are to this city um and people were sort of downplaying the importance of the Tigers and then getting Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium right um but how much credit do you give them for sort of seemingly putting a whole lot of pressure on on you know the mayor's office and everybody else involved in the city of Memphis to get it done
3: yeah, I, I give them credit, and give them credit for for the way that they put the pressure on. Right? It wasn't. It wasn't um, like, for instance, when they a while ago when they had that press conference with um, Hargrave and in in Laird Veach in the you know middle of the season. I do think that was strategic to have that conversation to continue putting pressure without having to flat out come out and say, "Hey, we're putting pressure on you." You know what I mean? Right. They did it in a very they did it in a very um cordial way yeah. which I, <laughs>
2: a political
3: I mean? way too I'd have to say <laughs> definitely that yeah, that right? that word so they did it without having to make it get ugly so you do tip your hat off in the way that they were able to go about it and not getting just flat out nasty
2: yeah now um talking with Frank Bonner uh Memphis Tiger football beat reporter for the Daily Memphian as far as the transfer portal is concerned uh, only three names of, of, of note, really, to talk about. Zy Brockington got in uh, the most. I mean, that was the the latest. Um, and then you have uh, Davion Carter and Tevin Carter. Now, you spoke to Tevin Carter about his decision. And this is a hometown kid, four-star, physical attributes out of this world. Um, but it looks like Seth Hennigan is going to start for another year, likely. And he was, he was he decided to get in the transfer portal to sort of figure out what he can do with his uh, college football career see if he can play quarterback elsewhere but the the comments he gave you was kind of interesting. Uh, he basically said, I am getting in the portal um because I'm doing exactly what I'm told as far as leaving concerns I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think that's pretty close. um how did you read that was that did you did you feel like that was the staff telling him to leave because that happens commonly in this day and age of college football or did you did you sort of view that through the lens of these are his people, the people in his corner, telling him, "Hey, may, maybe go find some greener pastures."
3: Oh, so it, it was definitely his people because I, I, I directly asked him that. So when he texted me that, I asked him, "I said, or, do you mean it was, it was, um, you know, people in your staff, or people on the coaching staff, or was it people, you know, in your circle?" And he said, "People in his circle." So he wasn't referring to, okay, like people in Memphis pushing him out the door. He definitely wasn't because I asked him directly that was he talking about the coaching staff, and he wasn't talking about the coaching staff.
2: But even here, here, let me bring this up just for the sake of this conversation. Even if it was the coaching staff, do we really hold that against the coaching staff this day and age? Or do do we view that as just, hey, at some point, they're just going to be honest with you, and if they feel as if you're not going to get a bunch of meaningful snaps in a Memphis Tiger uniform, they they can uh, sort of advise you to maybe find some somewhere else to go because I mean we we've, we we have transitioned into a different age in college football, Frank. I mean we had uh, Dion before the year saying he's going to bring his baggage to Colorado and it's Louie. Like, we we I, I how do you view that now? Like when you hear okay maybe a staff decided hey maybe maybe you know what we thought was going to be uh, here for you um, as far as opportunity maybe it's not here anymore. It
3: depends on how it's done, if I'm being honest. Right. Because if it's it's coming from a a point of like, hey, we got to push you out because you're not cutting it and we need another guy to come in and that just is what it is, I'm not a fan of that. But if it's from a standpoint of like, hey, look, you being in this program, you're not going to get the shot that you deserve. There are other possibilities and other programs for you to get your shot I think you should go on the portal and there, I'm pretty sure that there are greener pastures for you in terms of a roster spot at another program. If you do it that way, then that to me, that's looking at it from the player's best interest. Sometimes the player's best interest isn't to be at the program. And as a coaching staff, if I recognize that I don't think there's anything wrong with telling the athlete the honest truth in that way. But if you're just trying to push a guy out, so you can create a roster spot and the guy clearly wants to be there. And not every athlete – and you, I mean, you were a college athlete. So right. So you know this better than I do. But sometimes not every athlete – like 10 years ago, you waited your shot. So not every athlete is disgruntled about having to wait until the last two right. years to have a chance to be the guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And some guys want to stick it out. And if a coach forces them out – um against what they want to do their wishes I get what you mean it's all
3: situational for sure yeah, there's no doubt yeah, about I it. Mean it and then like this the, the there's so many moving parts that coaches are still trying to to figure out right in terms of NIL and roster management but I will say I will say one thing that offensive coordinator Tim Cramsey said after um after Seth threw that touchdown against uh USF, right? He talked about. He said it was some point or Tevin, in the year. Tevin, when he threw it, yeah. or yeah, yes, yeah, Tevin. Sorry, not Seth. Um, he said it was some point in the year where he told Tevin Carter. He said, "Like, look, um, you know, if I, if if we ever had to throw you in the game, I feel confident you're able to do it. But what needs to be done?" And he said, "I, he, you know, he had never said that to Tevin before because he didn't, you know, he didn't say it until he truly believed it. And so I do think that." In that locker room, at least from the outside looking in, Tevin had the support of being the number two guy from that coaching staff and and giving confidence into him as opposed to believing he was just a guy wasting a spot. I don't think the coaching right. staff thought that about Tevin. Yeah.
2: Now, uh, Davion Carter, I think, is the more uh, important Need left behind. Obviously, Tevin was a backup quarterback. We have a starting right guard and Davion Carter, who was very, very good. I did not realize Frank, and obviously he didn't make the All Conference team or anything like that. But I did not realize how wanted it seems he'll be on the open market. Like the amount of uh, of sort of transfer portal destinations I've heard for Davion Carter sort of blew me away. I don't know if you had sort of the same reaction. Yeah, right. And
3: and, and the thing about that is let's let's. If you are somebody connected to the program or rooting for the program, it obviously sucks to see a guy like like Carter leave. But if there are those opportunities out there for him, right? And I'm guessing um, nil money is attached to that. Yep. Can you, as as much as it may suck for the the, the Memphis side, can you blame him? Absolutely not. For like, can you blame Caden Prescorn for? Nope you know, for leave, And so, like, some of these guys, man, they want to stay, but opportunities are opportunities, and if there's opportunity of, of a door open, sometimes you got to walk through it, even if you really don't well, want to leave where you're at.
2: And we're and we and we're in a day and age where you can help your family, you can help yourself, you can uh, create a savings with the amount of money you can get at a place. But I, I feel like... For Davion, I mean, we're looking at a guy who will probably p- be playing center or interior O-line for a, a very big known program next year.
3: And I did not necessarily foresee that, if you will. No, I didn't. And I don't know if um, I'm, – I'm not the only one because it, at first I'm like, did I – am I just completely like out of touch? Am I that off base? <laughs> because I didn't – I, I, I wouldn't like. I, like you said, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have foreseen that. And so to hear you say you didn't, right. didn't necessarily see it either, it makes <laughs> me feel a little bit better. But I, like, I'll say this: yeah, I know his
2: pro stuff. football focus grades were good every week, so maybe that has something to do with it. Somebody stepping to the table and uh, uh, using those as selling points. But I, I, it's just something that I did not quite see happening. Now, last thing for you, Frank, um, as far as the the transfer portal is concerned. We have a couple of guys that sort of made pseudo-announcements that they're going to stay. Rock Taylor being the most notable. and Pounders, maybe. It sort of looks like that on uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, X. Um, how do you feel, you know, as far as roster retainage is concerned? Do you think that this is going to be a good year for Ryan and this staff as far as retaining what they already had on the roster?
3: Uh, today, I do. But if you ask me this last year at this time, I thought the same, and I, I didn't. I didn't foresee after the bowl game them losing all of those receivers that they lost, and I definitely didn't think Kaden Preskorn was going to leave after he announced he was saying. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you really just don't know. But today, I do feel, um, I do feel good about what they're able to retain. Obviously, there are going to be some guys leaving. Of course, Um it's just that, natural that are going to. Yeah, yeah, right. But I do think you know, obviously. As of right now, it appears that that Seth is going to be retained. If Memphis can keep his quarterback, I think that plays a big role in keeping a lot of the other players. Yeah, and I think
2: the uh, whole coaching thing, I think they'll keep their coach too. We have uh, Kurt Signetti from James Madison agreeing to a deal at Indiana. Seems like a good hire for them. And I know Ryan's name was somewhat attached to that. I never really bought into it. I, know, I, I don't know about you, but I never quite bought into it.
3: No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, and it's just... For one, I don't know how serious the the interest from IU was or wasn't into Ryan. And on the other end, um, if I'm Ryan, I don't know if I would, even if IU was interested, I don't know if I would have I even taken the job right. because it's tough. that's a hard place to win. And, like, I, I had said this before the hire. I was like, whoever they hire, I'd be real surprised if they're still there heading into the 2029 season. Yep. Yep. No. I mean, Indiana is one of those yeah.
2: jobs that seemingly unless the right guy takes it it feels like a dead end job. Feels like you're getting hired right. to
3: get fired eventually. So, I don't I don't I don't think um I don't think the fit was good on on either end yeah. uh, for that situation. For sure.
2: For sure. And and also, let's be let's be honest, Frank, we were thumbing through a list of 24 names that may may or may not have been involved with the job. So, hey, it is what it is, but I'm glad none of us or neither one of us bought into it. But, Frank, I appreciate it, man. Hopefully we can do it again soon once we get a bowl announcement. I appreciate it. Uh, Congrats again on on the win. Oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Frank. That is Frank Bonner at Frank underscore Bonner to Daily Memphian uh, beat reporter for Memphis Football. Now, uh, we have one more segment left in the day. That's going to be the Blitz. And uh, we're going to stick right where we ended with Frank, where James Madison has decided, or (laughs) Indiana has decided to hire James Madison coach, Kurt Signetti, who was 52-9 and in six seasons at James Madison.